Hello, welcome back everyone. I guess really it should be me that is being back after a summer hiatus that turned into a fall hiatus. Ya boy, Coach Casey Lee is back with two episodes of the Three Things Podcast. First up is reoccurring guest Connor Graham. We had him back on. I don't even feel comfortable telling you when he came on, but he came on again for round two, and him and I have a great conversation about just current trends that he's seeing in the baseball world and the evolution of his career as a strength coach and the director of Redline Cincinnati. So again, don't call it a comeback. It's just the first episode. I do have another one coming. It should be uploaded right uh, after this one. So the comeback is now complete, I guess. So sit back, enjoy. If you have a beer, coffee, wine, White Claw, no laws when you're drinking claws. I don't really know what's going on right now. It's late at night. I'm putting on a podcast. Connor Graham, thank you so much for coming on and being the first one to break the hiatus. And uh, everyone else who's listening to this, enjoy. Do it. So let's start with uh, an introduction for those that may not have heard the first one. I'll link that up to this, but let's get a little who you are, what you do, where you do it, and then let's let the why be in the first podcast, but how has the last year been? Let's do this. Let's go okay. with that. Who we are, what you do, right. where you do it, and how the last year's been. Definitely. Let's do this thing. Um, my name is Connor Graham. Um, I am the director of sports performance um, at Redline Athletics in Cincinnati. Uh, we're a youth training facility, so training little tykes, eight years old, all the way up to college and pro athletes, depending on the time of year as well. Um, I was a former not that good professional athlete. That one's for you there, Casey. Um, and I realized, I, I, I realized that I, my preparation, my, the work I did, well, I, I, don't, I don't think I was the laziest athlete of all time, but I didn't really train intelligently or put in as much work as I could have off the field. And by the time I figured that out, it was kind of too late. And that's kind of what motivated me to um, kind of pursue this field after my playing career was done. That's, nice. that's, that's about that's about it, I think. Nice. So you've been with Redline for a year. I just saw the year, like anniversary graphic yep. come across my my newsfeed and was like, well, I got to talk to Connor now because it's been a year since we probably done a podcast. Because I think literally the last time we spoke, you had like half the equipment in your garage, like it was delivered yeah. to your house, and you were like, <laughs> yeah, I'm unloading this shit. It's like all in my garage. Um, so it was like right on the verge of you guys opening your doors. Uh, Connor Graham, the first of the three things is what is the biggest lesson you've learned in the last year of now, like instead of being a technician in the business, I mean, you probably still are, are definitely coaching a fair amount, but now you see kind of a different side of it. What's the biggest lesson you've learned? Let's say the biggest lesson is I cannot do everything by myself. Um, Maybe it was the settings that I had worked in in the past where, you know, you, you were responsible for kind of doing everything. And that wasn't good or bad. It just, that's how it was. Um, 
so when we got going, we saw just unbelievable growth right away. We were still breaking all of the Redline franchise records for membership at like this point in how long we've been open. And I, I tried way too hard to take all of it, do all of the programming, do all of the outreach, do all like when I had an unbelievable staff at my disposal who are extremely intelligent and they wanted more. They asked me like, Hey, Connor, like, let me take some stuff off your plate. And I was a dumbass and was like, no, I got this. And I definitely did not have this. <laughs> um, and you know, it took a little bit, it took a little while. Maybe it's ego or maybe, it, you know, maybe I just thought that, you know, this is, this is what I need to be doing. Um, but I mean, you and I had conversations throughout that time too, texting back and forth, like, how do how the hell do I delegate? How how do I how do I start giving some responsibilities and giving some things up and feeling comfortable doing that? Um, and I think it once I like got out of my own way and saw like I've got like right now three coaches who are basically full time and then um, some part time coaches. We've had phenomenal interns. Um, I've got all these people who are hungry. They want more, and they are more than capable of accomplishing some of these things and honestly like better than me at many of them like I think we did a good job like hiring coaches who are way better than me at certain things you know they're different but they have skill sets that you know I I could do some of it but I, I couldn't do it as well as them so kind of empowering them with the autonomy to take control of some of those things has made like an unbelievable difference over the past few months. Like I sleep a little now, <laughs> I'm not like trying to um, kind of carry the, the whole burden by myself. Um, so that's been, that's probably been the biggest lesson for me is like use, learn how to utilize my staff and their skill sets more efficiently. Cause I definitely was not doing that, you know, early on. Yeah, that's uh, I, I I know you and I remember those conversations, man. And that's like the biggest, the like I think that's most people's first lesson. And I want to ask a follow up because I'm sure there's someone listening to this podcast right now, and they're like, "Yeah, I need to jump on that train." What was like the first, like what were some of the first things you did that kind of helped you say, like, okay, either this is some things that I can delegate, or even just to recognize to the person you were delegating to that they were a capable individual to do it at a at a a level that you were not maybe like it was going to be better than you, but like you were satisfied with the outcome or, or, you know, they, you knew they were a good fit for the part. I think some of the first things were um, definitely evaluations, like new athlete evaluations. Um, we use Fusionetics as our movement screen and um, we do performance testing and kind of setting baselines. Um, I early on wanted to do every single one of those and then realized that, you know, if a baseball player comes in and I do that eval, I immediately, whether I've earned it or not, I have some level of respect from the parent and athlete because they look up on the wall and they see my Indians Jersey and they see, Oh man, this, this guy played seven years of pro ball. And whether that means I'm any good at what I do, which I don't think it necessarily does. Like I, I've, kind of it helps me build context and I like I can speak their language right away um but then when a volleyball player comes in yeah I've trained 
hundreds of volleyball players. I understand the needs of the sport. I can assess the individual athlete and, you know, program what they need. But can I relate to that female volleyball player or male volleyball? We've got a ton of guy volleyball players too, but can I relate to them in their sport? Well, probably, probably not that much. So the first thing, kind of one of the first things I did was, all right, let's start having the staff that we have who all have different sporting backgrounds and all coach, um, all coach the sports that they played collegiately. Um, let's, let's have them do these evals. And yeah, I, t- I always talk to the parents um, during that process anyways, but let's give them that responsibility because yes, it's, they're becoming better coaches because of it. But at the same time, they're selling. Like, and I know people like to think sales is a bad word, but you can be the best coach in the world. If no one's actually coming into your facility and paying for your services, you're not helping anybody. Um, so you have to learn that process. You have to learn how to talk to a parent and answer their questions and, and display the value that you can give them. Um, so that's probably one of the first things that started, you know, making, making it a little, little bit easier for me to like manage time, um, but then give responsibility to, to other coaches. That was, that was huge. And then programming. That's definitely too. huge. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that, you know, I'm a geek. I love like the, the, the puzzle, the puzzle of putting together, you know, injury history and training goals and results of assessments and kind of putting that puzzle together into the right program for that athlete. Like, I love that. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do all of this and eventually like start passing on that responsibility. And then, you know, late fall comes around and we've got, you know, with some of the teams we had training 240 athletes. Like I can't program for 240 athletes (laughs) individually. Um, that it would, that, that would be the only thing I did. Um, so kind of, and that was another one that I think ego came into it, um, and, and probably delayed how soon I started, um, trusting our staff with doing that as well. So now like, you know, an athlete comes in, they do an eval with one of our coaches, they're responsible for their programming. Um, and that, you know, having weekly coaches meetings, you know, kind of training them on our principles, but then giving them tons of other options that, you know, we're, we're not trying to just say, hey, this is the only way you can write a program. Everything works. Whether or not it works for that individual athlete, like we find those things out, but kind of giving them some parameters to work within and, and practicing programming. Like I, I, I don't know if it was lucky that I had this situation, but like what, after – um, when I first started coaching, it was me and it was only me. So I had to write every program. I made all the mistakes. I learned from all those mistakes and I wasn't really giving my coaches that opportunity because they were, they were given the recipe and they just did it. Um, and I don't think that was kind of fair of me to hold them back that much for as long as I did. Um, so we spent, we spent a lot of time, you know, coming in early, um, putting in time, practicing program design. Um, and that's been another thing that I would like to think, like the feedback I've gotten from them is just like job enjoyment too is 
way more. They like, they have skin in the game. It's not Connor wrote this program. I'm going to take this person through it. Like they have some ownership in, in every piece of it. So it's um, from a time standpoint, like it's, it's opened up the ability for me to do a lot more things, but then from our coaches standpoint too, they're, they're growing. They're, they're getting the opportunities I had when I was, a younger coach to, to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And um, I, I think that's, that's been huge as well. Yeah. I think like what we've talked about, like when you're a technician and you've been a technician for so long and you make that jump to manager or in a leadership role, like, especially in our industry, programming is, is like the fun part. Like we were just talking about like programming mm-hmm. super fun. And it's like the last thing you want to give up because it is the most fun but at the same time, like those numbers add up. Like you just said like 250 athletes, like that's your your job is writing programs for 250 athletes. Like that's just not, not viable, but it's yeah. so damn hard to give up. Um, and oh God, I have one more point I wanted to bring. Oh, with sales. Um, it's funny because like, cause coaches like in our, in our world um, working, you know, like in, in selling training, creating buy-in on that program and selling is the same thing. Whether, you know, you're just getting a parent to buy into the program or getting an athlete to buy into what they're doing in the weight room, like you're selling it. It's just, it's just viewed differently. Like, I don't think it's a bad word. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, sales. I don't do that. I'm a trainer. I'm a coach. Like, it's like, no, man, you're selling something. You're selling yourself to your employer. You're selling your program to your athlete. You're selling your services to a parent or that athlete. Like it's, it's, it's all sales at some point. And it's, and it's, and it's any, it's any sector in our field too. Like I was in the college setting for like six months and you know, I was not a head coach, but I got to interact with sport coaches while I was there. And it's the same thing. You have to do the same thing in college. You may not be, there's no, there's no money being passed back and forth between the strength coach and the sport coaches, but you better believe there's still selling happening. Like you have to, you have to, convince them that hey this is the program that's going to help you win games still it still happens and then on top of that too like yeah my membership costs this much per month that's just the number until you show the parent or show the organization you're trying to partner with that no like you're you're paying for like there's value to this like they, they have all they see is a number on a sheet of paper until you've displayed what the value actually is so yeah, you're selling, but I'm not selling. I'm, I'm showing them a plan that's going to help them achieve the goals that they want. Like it's, it's what they came here for. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Most people don't, most people don't walk in the door not expecting to have that conversation. So when you get, when you get past that, all it is is, you know, we've, we've been doing this for a while. We have a lot of, confidence in our abilities so you're just displaying that and showing hey this is this is the value these are these are the results that we can help your athlete achieve like that's that's like what's dirty about that like it it shouldn't be viewed that way exactly i say that now but i mean shoot the first time you and i met i was that i'm a coach i was that guy yeah i mean it's everybody i say that now it's more fun. Yeah. I mean, what, what, would I rather write 50 programs or make 50 cold calls? Like, oh, I wonder which one I'd rather do. 
you know, but yeah. the 50 cold calls leads to writing 50 programs. So it's kind of like the order of operations. Okay. Uh, I want to tap on your, I'm really interesting for your perspective on this. Um, I'm giving a presentation to the NSCA at the Vermont clinic um, on training the year round athlete. And there's kind of two year round athletes that we see. One is the kid that is in Northern Vermont. Like if you're a good, you know, if you're the shortstop, you're also probably the point guard and you're also probably the running back. So you're playing three different sports, but likewise, there is a case now where like, whether it be just like lacrosse, baseball, soccer, like you see basketball, like there's the opportunity now to play multiple seasons of the same sport over a year round calendar as well, um, which is that infamous word of sports specialization. And my question for you as someone who works with a variety of athletes who has been that athlete and has been literally like at the highest level and the most specific thing you can do in sports as a pitcher, when, like when, if you could go back and either tell yourself or maybe it's your kids, whatever it is, like when is it appropriate for an athlete to say, yeah, I'm a pitcher or I'm a running back or I'm, I'm whatever. And that's what my, my goal is to get to the next level of whatever that might be. So that's what I'm going to do. Like how, Tell me how you navigate that thought or that conversation with individuals, whatever it might be. Um, you know, the, the cop-out answer is it, it always depends. For sure. But, like, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through, like, my high school sporting. Like, I, I played football, basketball, baseball freshman year. Found out that, you know, I was 5'11 as a freshman. Um, I found out that I was not that fast. And I couldn't really jump and basketball sucked. Like, so I ended up not playing basketball. I ended up not playing basketball. So I, I played uh, football and baseball up until senior year. Didn't play football my senior year and just focused on baseball. Um, I thought that was okay. It gave me the opportunity to, you know, do things to get some exposure in baseball. Um, it gave me the opportunity to take time off of growing, but still have like, I like the, the fall, the fall spring split. I love that. Cause you know, you have winter and summer to train um, without as many, you know, logistics restrictions. Um, so I, I, I still like telling kids, like if you enjoy it, if you love it, keep playing it. And usually you know, like baseball, for example, the game ends up kind of telling you, hey, maybe it is time to focus on one thing. And usually that it tells you in the form of college coaches reaching out, uh, major league teams sending you questionnaires. And all of a sudden you realize like, okay, this, you know, this is going to happen if I do things the right way. Maybe I, maybe I don't play football. And, that, and that's kind of what factored into my decision that combined with, you know, several concussions and, <laughs> and some other things. I'm sure there was a growth spurt there. You didn't stay 5'11 for very long. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, well, that's <laughs> just, like, I'm pretty sure uh, our basketball coach in my high school is like a legend there. So that he would never come to someone and say, oh, I want you to come back. But I was like 6'7 by the end of sophomore year. <laughs> so I think he would have liked me to play, but I, 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 I kind of sucked. That wasn't that good at that point anyways. Um, but, you know, everyone's kind of dogging the sports specialization. I think the key is if you're going to play one sport, 
you probably shouldn't be playing that sport 12 months out of the year. You probably shouldn't be competing 12 months out of the year. What I see more often now is, and I'm, I'm going through the problem right now, talking with parents and athletes and coaches. Um, they're telling me, oh, we don't have time, summer ball. You, you don't have time or you're not willing to put in the extra work to make time for it. Because usually what I see is, you know, high school season comes around and, you know, logistically that's tough to get in. So I try to give them the ability to train on their own. I'll, I'll write their programs, whatever, so they can continue training in season. Um, and then same with summer ball. Like you, you don't want to finish the year weaker than what you started. And you don't want to be losing range of motion that you want to maintain throughout the course of the year by just stopping training. Um, the problem now is kids want to play fall ball. And then it's easy for, it's easier for us than it is Southern states. Like we have for, you know, outdoor sports, you know, there's a, there's a time where you're not going to be outside in Ohio or Vermont. Like there's not going to be competitive playing then. Um, But if you're going to be an athlete, that's going to focus on one sport, put the ball down, put the glove down, put the stick down, whatever, whatever sport implement, whatever sport it is and spend time training and, spend time practicing do skill work but don't just play games because people think that playing games is that that's how you're going to get to the next level when, when i was an intern i interned under one of the best hockey strength coaches i i think in the world the guy's brilliant um his name's anthony donskoff um runs the facility in columbus and he actually he, he wrote actually wrote the book on sports performance training for hockey um he released the book a couple of years ago but Hockey is another sport that how much practice do you actually get in the game? How much time are you on the ice? How much time do you have the puck? Like you're not actually, you're learning the game. Your, your game IQ goes up, but are you actually building skills during that time? Probably not. You're not getting as many reps as you would in practice. So play less games, practice more and train during those times. So if you're a, if you're a single sport athlete, it can't be competitive season 12 months out of the year or 10 months or nine months. Like it's just, you don't develop them, but if you can devote time to focus on skill training where the volume is under control, where you're not, it's not anywhere near um, the competitive season would be, and then focus on training general attributes that are going to kind of give you that bigger base of the pyramid so you can continue to grow. Um, those are the things that I try to argue, not argue, but like um, educate our parents on is, yeah, if you want to, like, I'm not going to tell a kid who hates everything other than baseball, <laughs> you got to go play something else. Like, the kid's going to get pissed off and hate me for it. Like, that's not productive. But if you're going to play, like, it can't be spring, summer, fall ball, and then showcases all winter. Like, find a time. Like, if you want to like do that. the showcases. No, go ahead. You can't develop but, during competition. Like that was like, that's just a huge nugget right there. Like if you're competing all the time, you can't develop. No. Is there, that, is that's, that's the, the, the amount of reps. I tell the baseball guys, like, go look at my stats and look how many freaking walks I had in my career. Do you think guys got that much better facing me? Especially when I was decent. Like I threw pretty hard when I was decent. So there could be 97 coming to your head and then I throw a strike. Like who knows where the hell the ball is going? I was a shit show. Like, are you getting better when you're facing me? Yeah, maybe. Like, you're, but 
there's a good chance that, you know, you may get four at bats and see one remotely decent pitch and a decent count to swing at because I, I was all over the place. Now I was a professional. Think of a 12 year old kid, some of the competition they face, they may literally come in and they face a kid throwing almost 80 miles an hour at 13 years old, which is fuel for them. And then they may face a kid throwing 54 and the ball is literally like a rainbow. Like, is that quality practice? No, like it, 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 it's not consistent. So like make, make a decision. If you, if you want to do, if you're at the point in your career where, Hey, showcases are going to be a huge driver in my recruiting process because everyone kind of dogs showcases, but I don't think it's necessarily the, the showcase's fault. If you're an athlete who thinks that I'm at that point in my career where I need to be going to these to get exposure, why the hell are you playing fall ball? Why are you letting your summer ball coach pitch you three days a week? Why are you letting him bring you back on short rest? Like have some ownership. It's your freaking career. It's not the summer ball coaches. So yeah, if you're a, a sophomore in high school who is going to have the ability to potentially play at the next level, showcases can be helpful, but you need to, you need to look at your yearly schedule and say, okay, how am I going to be my best at that time? not compromise my health. So don't play fall ball, cut summer season short, like do take steps to, you know, have some ownership. Um, Cause you can't just go out and compete, whatever sport it is. You can't just compete 12 months out of the year and expect that at any time you're going to be at your playing your best. Like it's just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's awesome. That's some awesome insight. I knew you'd be a good person to ask that question. Cause uh, you've lived it at all levels and you see plenty of kids that, you know, you have an influence on. I think that that insight is, is invaluable. Um, the last thing, Connor Graham, are you ready for the third thing? Yeah. You know what? So uh, like we, I, I've been on the show more than Frank Duffy now. So I'm like a, a crafty veteran because Frank's been on once, right? You are. Yeah. Frank's, Frank's been on once, he's only been, he's only, he's only, yeah. Cause he's, you know, <laughs> I mean, did you see one of his most recent posts, his golfing? Every swing, he started taking more clothing off. So I, of course, asked, like, where are the next oh, is, Frank? Let me, let me see that shit. I didn't, oh, I didn't get to see Duffy. it. But, he, but no, yeah, rumor I'm, has it. Rumor has it we're doing a Duffy 2.0. So that's just a rumor, though. He, he told me he's coming to Cincinnati this summer. So, I mean, if you can get them on twice, I got it. I can get them to Cincinnati. I mean, there's plenty of breweries and plenty of golf. Like we have better beer than you, so there's and we're closer. I think we're actually you might be closer. Cincinnati's not that far from New York City, but how? I don't even. I'm not gonna outdo my geography right here. But we have better beer in Vermont, so we got a shot. We got a shot. I'll 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 give you that. It's getting better out here. <laughs> all right. Okay, so. <laughs> It, it's getting better everywhere. I think that's just more so like, it's just, yeah, we'll have, we'll have the beer conversation in the speed round. Um, so over the last, what, just what's the biggest change you've made in your training or with, whether it be yourself or athletes or, you know, recently, like just, I know you, we kind of talked about like the crossover symmetry stuff, but maybe that's it. But what's something you're either paying attention to more or you're looking at more or you're including more with your athletes? All right. So with my athletes, yeah, like we, we talked a little bit before we started, like I, um, 
Dugan from Crossover Symmetry reached out and, and heard a podcast I did with one of my um, uh, actually business partners now. We're, we're running a, a college uh, summer program uh, focusing on baseball. But um, one thing that I'm, I'm really excited to be working with Crossover, uh, they are testing and they've, they've actually been testing for about two or three years. Um, an assessment protocol that's based off of research done by um, the Colorado Rockies athletic staff. So they did a five or six year study. I'd, I'd have to look again, four, four to six years, somewhere in their study, um, using dynamometers to test rotator cuff strength, um, grip strength, just a, a more clinical assessment, and then retesting from year to year and seeing how that correlates with injuries. Um, so I kind of blessed right now that, you know, crossover symmetry sent me, um, sent me all the gear they're using for these assessments. They've been testing them at uh, perfect game events for years now. So they've been gathering a lot of data on their own. Um, so being able to combine that with the other assessments that I've been doing, um, it's given me a really good picture early on of like, okay, what does this athlete need? Because um, we're, you know, I'm not just looking at manual muscle tests. We're looking at um, scapular control. We're doing movement assessments. We're, you know, I'm doing tabletop assessments. Um, and the thing that I'm seeing more and more now is that there's a drastic difference in many athletes' active and passive control of hip range of motion, um, thoracic spine motion, rotator cuff and shoulder range of motion, like these mat like i'm i'm telling you like freaking huge differences like guys that can just lay on a table and their arm lays back with no like you don't even have to get them back and it's like hey 135 degrees of external rotation but then um and i dr josh heenan he's uh, he's up in new hampshire i think new hampshire he's, uh, he's up connecticut that he's in connecticut is it connecticut okay yeah. sorry josh um <laughs> oh yeah i did i, I do remember that um, Dr. Heenan, open invite but, to the podcast, buddy. If you're listening to this, there you if, go. If yeah, we should hit, we should hit him go. up. There we go. Um, but I, I've really liked a lot of like he'll he'll test he'll test these things in different positions that are going to challenge proximal stability as well. And so you know, I've been kind of adopting. I, I I love stealing from people. Like that's what we do. Like find other practitioners out there that are doing a great job. And, and if it fits with what you're doing, steal some of it. So Dr. Heenan, thank you. I've been stealing from you for months. Um, but you know, it, it's one thing to just test someone's passive range of motion. Let's get them in different positions and test it actively because for me, like right now, it's probably the first time in my career that I feel like I'm kind of niching down on baseball. So I'm seeing a ton, a ton, a ton of pitchers. Um, and they may be able to show me, you know, total motion that, okay, this looks good, but actively they can't freaking control it. And for someone expecting to do the most, the highest velocity movement ever measured in human movement, you better have some active control or this is a huge risk factor. So um, that's one of the big changes is just really, really focusing on, um, on those parts of the assessment and it's it's really helped me design programs better for athletes um and then adopting technology like from the from the baseball side of things baseball has been been behind other sports for a long time um 
So I, I use Rapsodo now, high-speed video. Um, so I'm measuring, yes, velocity, but spin rate of uh, fastballs and off-speed pitches and spin axis and getting horizontal and vertical movement and helping me design repertoires for pitchers that um, play off each other much better. Um, my, my partner for our summer program uh, uses a device called KVEST that has been K-Motion's been in golf for a long time, um, but it, it measures basically the kinematic sequence of a swing. So we're looking at hip angular velocities, the order in which hip, torso, front arm, um, they're accelerating and decelerating to basically kind of create a more efficient swing for guys. So I, I feel like, especially right now in our area, like there's not many people trying to trying to keep up with the technology boom in baseball. And, you know, I've combining that with training, it's, we're seeing some pretty cool, cool results and changes in guys. So, um, so for my athletes, those are, those are some of the changes kind of more focused on baseball. Um, my own training, <laughs> I have found out that uh, running a business is not conducive to, you know, when we last talked, I was kind of all in on powerlifting, and I still love the sport, but my schedule hasn't uh, allowed for that. I, I guess it could have, but I've, I've kind of made other things priorities over my own training. So like you, like right when we got on this call, you're, you're getting something in quick because that's all, that's all we have right now. So um, my workouts have been, what can I do in a half hour that is going to make me feel like I accomplished something and not destroy me? And that's kind of, that's kind of where I've been. The, the days that's of what it's about hour, Something's hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you know, it, that'll change again. Like I'm, I know I'm going to, I'm going to make time for, for my training again a little bit at some point, but right now it's, my athletes, my family, my, like, I'm getting married next week. Next week, yeah. Whoa! Next week. You should yeah. have led with that! Well, you know, you. We've, where's the honeymoon? So we've, we've, honeymoon's Jamaica, dude. Where's the, yeah, hell yeah. That's the best part. I'm, dude, I'll work pumped. I'm going to burn like freaking crazy. I'm going to be so damn mad. I was going to say, bring your SPF, bro. <laughs> SPF 50 every 90 minutes, because Keep that beard long. I see you got the hair. You got the flow now. Keep it long. Protect yourself. Yeah. yeah. Now, one of one of our coaches just came back from her honeymoon, and she's like peeling dead skin off of her. Like it made, I'm like gagging, and like Julia, stop, please stop. Oh. Like, I can't help it. I'm peeling everywhere, oh. and I am way more pale than she is. So I'm 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 in for it. That's legit, man. I know, uh, well, that's good. You get the wedding stuff out of your way, and then you start scheduling some time for your workouts. It's, uh, it's the return of Conor Graham. Um, yeah. But now we, we got to get to the speed round, because the speed round's the best part. The speed round wasn't a speed thing round. on our first one. I've been, dude, I'm so pumped. I know. I need to figure out when the speed round started. I literally am just going to do – I'm just going to start speed round. Like, we'll have an episode at some point of the three things. It's just going to be all speed round. Uh, All speed round. Are you ready? I like it. Yeah, dude. Let's are you roll. ready, Connor Graham? Speed round. Here comes the mullet. Um, what was the best at any level? What was the best stadium you pitched at? Ooh, um, 
All right, I, I'm going to – I will give a couple – like two answers here because I, I got lucky and I've, I've pitched in several major league stadiums. Um, Toronto was freaking cool. So people kind of like hate on the, you know, the domes a little bit. Toronto was phenomenal. Um, but Fenway, I don't know, like Fenway. Fenway for sure. That, that might be one of the coolest experiences ever. I got announced on the field too before the game. Like, like holy shit, this is crazy. Got to talk with Stephen King for about 45 minutes, which was interesting. Like he's – That's legit. He's – He's a nice, like he's a nice guy. He's so he's very baseball savvy, knowledgeable baseball fan. But like you're talking to him and you're like, yeah, you you wrote all that creepy shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I I believe it. How much of that is I real? Definitely believe yeah. it. Um, but dude, there's something about like the small minor league parks too. I played in Asheville, North Carolina, which it's the same ballpark that is the final scene of Bull Durham. There's, there's been some changes, but it's like, it's still the same place. So I, I played there in 08 and I, it's just, it's a, an interesting city and a, a pretty freaking cool park. So that I, I got to throw legit. that one. little shout out to Asheville. That's still. legit. That's legit. Um, on a weekly basis or daily basis, does it ever get tired when people comment on how tall you are? Like, do you ever get tired of hearing that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just get used to it. Um, I've got it, it, but you know what? Just as of late, um, one of uh, um, he he was a coach when I got initially hired with Redline. Um, now he works with the the corporate team a little bit more. Um, his name's Brad Hinkle. He's he's in town right now, hanging out with us. And he's like, I, dude, he looks like he's six eleven because he's like, pretty, pretty lanky dude, and he's a giant. So people don't even look at me like I'm tall. And then I've got a couple eighth graders who are like six four right now. So I'm like, I'm kind of hiding. It's nice, but yeah, you, I hear that a lot, and I'm, um, you just get, you kind of get used to it. At five eight, I I like to make a comment to people, and you're like, like I would literally be like, you're a full foot taller than me. Like it's not a, <laughs> it's a full foot. You are a headline yeah. above me. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's kind of you cool. Ready for the next one? I like being tall. Let's do it. Power power rank your top three beers right now. Whoa. Normal okay. power rankings so are top five, but if you can go top five if you want, but top three beers. I don't I think I can go. Here's the thing. I'm 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 in Ohio, man. Like I can't just the the quality like there's really good beer. I do like it, but um when you know when the strength house guys when Greg was my coach, um he exposed me to a world that I just didn't know existed. And uh, I Mm, okay. Um, one of one of my one of my athlete dads has a has a friend that just ro- runs around the country bringing beer home. So I've been lucky to get some awesome. Treehouse and some. Um, what else did they What else did he bring me? Some Frost. Um, yeah, he, he he brought. That's my me, hometown. He, he, I know. I sent you pictures that one night when I was like, all right, I'm going to try not to drink all these nice beers he gave me. And I probably had one too many. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, 
I couldn't even pick a treehouse one because every time I, like every one is phenomenal that I've ever had. I will, I will go. I don't. I couldn't even tell you where this brewery is. I don't remember what it's called, but the beer is called Juicy Ass IPA, <laughs> and it's one of it's one of the few. It's hard. It's hard to find. It's beginning easier, but hard to find New England IPAs around here. So that that's that's one of my favorites. That's like I can get it whenever. Um, Are you near Top Lake Goliath? Man. Um. No, uh, that's a, I've like, heard of it. Like I don't know. Torpedo Sioux. It's the one with the dinosaur. I don't think I've ever had it. It's really good. I'll have to look it up. I'll say, I think I had it when I was in Chicago. So I think it's like a Midwest brewery. So it's close-ish to you, maybe. I mean, it's in Illinois, Ohio. You guys are close. It's all like the same in the Midwest. Yeah. It's all like the same thing. Yeah, you know, see, that's what we say about all of you guys up, like in that like corner of the U.S. Like, yeah, you, have, it's you, you guys have this converse. You guys have this conversation every podcast with all your New Yorkers. Like, what's upstate? And I'm like, yep. there's an up. What the hell is up? It's New York. Exactly. What, what, You're what, what do you mean? Like, what the hell is? And I, yeah, well, I, I was in Long Island for you know two years. So like here, like New Yorkers are different. That that shit's You're just crazy. In the island that's or a on different. The I, I I played there for in the island or uh, on the island. On on on, what did I say? <laughs> I was I said I was in Long Island. I, I did. You said yeah, in. Was, you said you're in Long Island. I was I was I was in it. I love it. Um, this is like this is like the dumb New York <laughs> shit. This is what four years of college in New York will get you. Um. Okay. I'm losing. I'm losing track of. It. But okay. Uh. So okay. On the next one. On the treehouse. Okay. Juicy AF treehouse. Okay. Um, that Hayes, Hayes was I I really 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 like that. Um, dude, I don't know. If, I honestly haven't been. Uh, I haven't had much much beer lately. <laughs> trying it's to okay. get trying it's to get okay. wedding trying to get wedding ready. Um, Jamaica ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 where my mind is a little bit right now. You know, about one o'clock, <laughs> it'll get back to like doing doing my job. Um, but yeah, I have to admit, I'm I'm thinking a little bit about a uh, little bit about Jamaica. Ohio sucks this time of year. Why why do you not have a Midwest accent? There's Where's a Midwest. Midwest I don't know what a what's a, I don't know what a Midwest accent is. Oh man, yeah. go listen to a Chad Coy. You you met Chad Coy before. That's a Midwest accent. Yeah. Um I'm kind of like uh what's her face in uh Anchorman. I've been working on my non regional diction. Is that what she says? No, I don't know. I didn't realize I didn't have a yeah. Midwest accent. I've well, you know, I lived you everywhere don't. though. For most of my you know, you most sound of like my you're from adult Vermont. life. <laughs> that's that's definitely where i'm where i'm from no that's interesting though i've never actually asked someone what where did, where does it sound like i'm from i don't know vermont i need to come visit man like my, my cousin's a brewer at harpoon and like, I'm not, like I've, I've never and i've never been up there oh yeah dude 90 minutes north come on up i, I gotta Let me make know a next trip time you're in vermont 
fly right into Burlington. I'll pick you up. We'll have to do that. I got to. Okay, I need to start traveling last, again. You ready for the last question? Let's do it. So what would be, what is your best beard maintenance product? Oh, dude. Because um, you're looking, your beard is, is trim right now, but I've seen it when it's wild. Yeah, it was wild like two days ago. Here's the thing. I, I am such an amateur in terms of actually taking care of this thing. I've never used anything. I've never used any of the beard balm things. Like people have told me that, hey, try this, try that. Oh like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, how shitty do I look right now? Eh, kind of shitty. All right, we're good. And I'm, I, <laughs> I, I probably, all the, all the people out there with phenomenal beers are just throwing up in their mouths right now and mad at me, but uh, I've never, uh, I've You're never made gifted. much of an, yeah. <laughs> You're gifted. That's all natural. That's, that's legit. That's, that's, uh, God, that's the first time anyone's ever said, you make me feel so special, Casey. I Thank do. you so much. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I compare myself to Oprah, man. Like whether it be the questions asked or just the philanthropic nature of just elevating everyone around me. Connor Graham, you're gifted with that. That beard is all natural. I never, I would have been, I thought you would have been like, well, I tried this bomb, this pro, like paste, whatever it was, and this is the best. And you're just like, yeah, sometimes I throw some shampoo in that shit and uh, maybe yeah. I'll just run my hands through it a few times. It's good. <laughs> yeah, the only, I've, once in my life, I, um, um, I, I was at a weird point, kind of wasn't throwing that well. So I shaved the beard and left, <sighs> left like some Raleigh fingers. Yeah. Uh, mustache and like curled it up. So I put some black. Actually, I dyed it black. I had a soul patch with, and I dyed the mustache black and kind of curled it up. Um, did it work? There are pictures. It it didn't look good, but it kind of worked. There, it's all matters. Um, it worked. That's 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 the only time my facial hair has ever received any type of love or product. That's amazing. Connor Graham, <laughs> thank you so much for making time to come on the podcast. We'll do round three, hopefully in person sometime. We should, dude. That'd be fun. I, and thank you again. Like, I, be, you know, the, even, even being considered for this, like, listening to some of the guests you've had who are just phenomenal, like, I, I am not worthy of the Casey Lee Oprah You're treatment. Worthy. So I, I, I can't You're thank worthy. you enough. No, man, that's good shit. There's plenty of nuggets in here. I, I'm, I've, I now I'm at the point where I write down like the time into it, like what, what I want for like the little audio snippet. So I've got a few that I have to choose from, but uh, I appreciate you making time. And this is just round two of three. Let's uh, let's hope that you get more plays than Duffy. How about that? It, it'll never happen. Um, he's way too sexy of a human being for me to even ah. compete. Nah. <laughs> Well, thank you, dude. I, I, I can't thank you enough. You're the man. Hi, everyone. It's Casey again. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And I want to ask you a huge favor. 
I don't ask for a lot of favors, but if you could, whatever you're listening to this podcast through iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, if you could take a minute and just go write a review, I would really appreciate it. I don't get any bonus points or anything like that for it, but I really think it would help get the word out. And if this podcast has helped you, it might help someone else and it'll do a better job of getting that word out to who might need it.